0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 314. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2017, Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown Program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. In 2011, I traveled to Toronto to give a slow flowers talk at the Garden Writers Regional Meeting held at Canada Blooms, the mega indoor flower and garden show there. And although it was March, and I knew finding locally grown flowers would be challenging, my fellow Garden Writer members foraged from their gardens for the greenery and branches that I used in my demonstration. But one of the main items on my agenda for that trip was to meet Sarah Nixon of My Luscious Backyard, today's guest. Her unique approach to urban flower farming first caught my attention when My Luscious Backyard's story appeared in a feature article in one of Canada's national newspapers that year. Sarah studied filmmaking and spent her student summers working on a certified organic farm in British Columbia – called Nanus Edibles. The daughter of flower gardeners, she learned to love the rhythmic farm rituals of weeding and harvesting, not to mention the importance of sustainable growing practices. Armed with a BFA degree from Concordia University in Montreal, Sarah moved to Toronto to create documentary films, train as a yoga instructor, and plant her own first garden in the city. Little did she know that growing a cutting garden would turn her into an urban flower farmer. The notion of starting a flower CSA took root as Sarah was growing so many flowers and giving them away that she started a business. She launched My Luscious Backyard in 2002. Early on, Sarah's 30 by 50 foot patch of ground yielded annual sunflowers and zinnias, flowering shrubs, and lots of perennials. She shopped seed catalogs for new varieties and gained knowledge and inspiration from the flower farmer, Lynn Bazinski's essential guide to small scale cut flower farming. Weekly subscriptions expanded into requests for Sarah to design wedding flowers, and soon my luscious backyard was at capacity. Sarah asked a few friends if she could plant cutting gardens in their yards. And then I put an ad on Craigslist, and now people usually approach me, she says. It's certainly a fair swap. Sarah gains planting space, and the homeowner gains a flower farm or a flower garden, People seem to be eager to have someone else garden for them, she points out. With more than 50 varieties of everyday and unusual blooms, My Luscious Backyard is known for producing the freshest, most romantic flowers around. Sarah harvests, designs, and delivers the bouquets to customers on the same day. She uses organic principles, reminding customers that no environmentally damaging pesticides, herbicides, or synthetic fertilizers are used on their flowers. On her website, Sarah emphasizes the value add of buying local. She writes this, Many varieties available through us are impossible to find at a conventional florist due to the arduous travel requirements of imported flowers. And because they are grown locally, they haven't used a lot of fuel to reach you, unlike most commercially available flowers, which travel thousands of miles before arriving in Toronto. Her wildflower and nature-inspired bouquets satisfy weekly subscribers between the months of May and October, and those customers pay between $45 and $85 per arrangement with a four bouquet minimum. Sarah also supplies bouquets to restaurants, offices, and area grocery stores. And picture this, rather than driving from one backyard to the next to harvest her crops— Sarah often utilizes a low-carbon footprint bicycle complete with a trailer. It holds six flower buckets, she points out. I hope you are as inspired as I am by Sarah's intentional story. She lives with integrity and beauty, and I hope more of us can do the same, even in our own backyards. Visit DebraPrinzing.com to see many photos from my recent visit when I shadowed Sarah on her harvesting route, and additional images of her design work that she shared with us. You can also find links to her social places in our show notes under the episode 314. Please enjoy this conversation. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am thrilled to introduce you to my guest today, Sarah Nixon. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Deborah. Sarah is based here in Toronto. I'm sitting in her um, kitchen, cozy nook, and we're having a, a, finally having a chance to talk about her business, My Luscious Backyard. I've been wanting to have her on the podcast forever. And so I'm delighted that I'm here, Sarah, and that you can share your story.
1: It's great for you to be here. It I is, love it. yeah.
0: <laughs> for many reasons. Yeah. Um, so describe, it, for those people who don't know you, describe your business, um, a great name by the way. I love My Luscious Backyard. Mm. Uh, it's just, it kind of invites people in. So mm. to, how would you describe your business as a, in the floral world?
1: Um, Well, I describe it as, usually the first thing I say is that I'm an urban flower farmer. Um, And uh, so what I do is I use my yard and I use other people's yards, residential yards, as my farm plots, as it were, um, right in Toronto. Wow. Wow. And um, yeah, I have 10 this year, and I grow a lot of flowers in a very small space, and I have a subscription service delivering arrangements every week or bi-weekly. I sell to florists and designers, and I do weddings and... um, Those are my three main outlets. No farmer's markets. Nope, no farmer's markets.
0: So you gave a phenomenal presentation at the ASCFG Ontario meeting this past weekend. So that's kind of influencing me since I got to sit through that. Um, First, I want to congratulate you on that presentation. I think it inspired a lot of people who mostly come from a rural point of view to think about urban flower farming as relevant and Mm -hmm. legit, right? i think that's where the opportunity is for a lot of cities
1: yeah and a lot of people who live in cities right yeah yeah.
0: right you made one comment i want to just verify you said of these i think you said of these 10 parcels it literally adds up to one eighth of an acre
1: i haven't measured this year okay but it's it's really little wow it's not
0: much so like postage stamp size yards
1: yeah, they're you know, they're pretty regular sized city yards. Yeah. Some are bigger than others. Mm-hmm. And um yeah. Hm it's 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 a small space. That's neat. Yeah.
0: I'm sure there's a ton of challenges, but you didn't necessarily let those deter you when you started. I mean, can you back up a little bit and talk
1: about your background and what led you to those? Sure. Um, so I uh I have a degree in I guess basically experimental documentary filmmaking, <laughs> <laughs> a very practical degree.
0: <laughs> I love it. And,
1: um, uh, but then in the summers in university and in high school, I worked at a fantastic um, organic farm called Nanus Edibles near where I grew up.
0: And Which loved is loved
1: that job on Vancouver Island. Right, Yeah. okay. In the new Bay. Do they still exist? They still exist, yeah. Wow. It's a great, great farm. Yeah, I go back and visit them every <gasps> time I'm out there. Wonderful. But they grew a few flowers, but not really. A few sunflowers, a few bachelor's buttons. Um, but they, yeah. So I, I worked on this farm a lot and really enjoyed it. Never thought I'd get into growing. My parents are big gardeners. They have uh, six acres and... So I grew up around this huge, wonderful garden and my dad makes his own rhododendron hybrids and my mom is like really into rock gardens. She's got this big rock face and alpines and things like that. Um, but it wasn't until I was i grown up and had my mm-hmm. own backyard that I realized that I really wanted to grow flowers and I was really excited to mm-hmm. grow flowers. So You
0: kind of had an episode of being away from growing anything when you were in college. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then I came, I uh, tree planted, and I worked in plant nurseries and all kinds of plant-related things. Oh. All the while thinking I was going to go into f- the film world. Okay. Yeah. So it was sort of accidentally happening on the side while I wasn't paying much attention to it. and <laughs> It then, snuck up on you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and then we moved to Toronto from uh, Gabriela Island. My, my partner Jesse and I moved to Toronto. And we rented this terrible little bungalow, but it had a backyard. On Degrassi Street, Hmm. and uh, I started filling it with flowers and cutting the flowers and bringing them in the house to enjoy them, and just got more and more obsessed with flowers. And um, but uh, you had like
0: a full time job. This was just sort of your your hobby almost.
1: Yeah, I worked in bars. I worked in the film world. I um, eventually got my yoga yoga teacher training and taught yoga all over the city for ten years. I worked, uh, in bookstores. I worked, um, oh, I was a gardener for the city for a summer in one of the big parks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I did lots of different kinds Mm -hmm. of jobs. Um, but always knowing that I was happiest when I was working for myself. Yeah. Um, so I was saying in the talk, like around 2001, three things happened that sort of propelled me in this direction. Um, I, uh, I um started really noticing that my garden was full, but all my neighbors had these really empty yards filled with lawn <laughs> that they didn't even use. And this is like a very
0: densely populated uh city neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're just walking everywhere and
1: you see this. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, and I started just, just sort of started with envy, you know, like, well look at their big flat sunny yard. I wish I you know um, and at the same time, a farmer's market started springing up in Toronto, and that was really the beginning of them, and there was one uh, in my neighborhood. And it occurred to me that maybe I could cut some of these flowers that I had so many of, I was giving them away, and I could bring them to the farmer's market and do that. Yeah. And then I was in a bookstore looking for books about flowers, and I found Lynn Bazinski's The Flower Farmer, um, the Bible. The Bible. Right? Yeah. And I picked it up and, the, you know, it was about small scale organic flower farming. And no one was talking about that in 2001. Right. right. And I, I, it hadn't even occurred to me that that was something wow. that you could really do. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that and it gave me permission you know like this is legit. It's legit. And actually that
0: book is so fantastic and yet I think Lynn wrote it to people with acreage. That's right. So she did. you kind of adapted it to Yeah.
1: Even in the photograph, there's these you know, there's these plots of flowers and then the, the pathways are about six feet wide in between <laughs> It's like the size whereas, of your backyard. Yeah, whereas my pathways are eighteen inches max. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So you
0: kind of thought okay this is a thing and i can explore it yeah did you sell at the farmer's market i
1: did i sold i think for two or three summers at two farmer's markets and i found it quite unsatisfying um and uh yeah i didn't really love it yeah and i realized that uh i could make a lot more money if i made the arrangements and delivered them to someone's home or office as a subscription Mm -hmm. and so i started to go in that direction Um, When did you acquire your
0: first neighbor plot to farm in? Mm. And how did you do that? I'm
1: trying to remember which one it was. And by the way, you're living in a different place now, I was living on the other side of town. Yeah, on the east side. I had two friends who lived in the neighborhood, and I just approached both of them Mm -hmm. and said, "Uh, could I use this corner over here to grow? I'm selling at the farmer's market. Could I grow some flowers over here? And it's very rare for people to say no (laughs) when you ask them if you can grow flowers in their yard and they won't have to do anything. Wow. So...
0: Yeah, it's such a happy thing to have happen to you.
1: Yeah. If they're open to having people in their space, yeah,
0: that's the big thing. In in general, are your... I don't know what you call them. Your land sharers or... Yeah, I
1: call them my yard owners. Your yard owners.
0: They are generally not gardeners or... They're generally not gardeners. okay so they don't really get right how much work it is, and
1: no, and sometimes they've <clears throat> bought this house. It once had a beautiful garden. It's become overgrown and weedy. They want to maintain it because they know it was once beautiful, and they feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll reach out to me and say, "I have this garden," um, and those are the great, great people to get because you'll tear away the weeds and you'll find a 20 year old peony plant Wow! and you'll find all these wonderful shrubs and things wow. like that um yeah
0: but it really started with a couple friends who agreed to let you that's use right. a little corner or more yeah. of their yard yeah and were you when you first started were you mainly growing um annuals or well, yes. like what is your your range annuals. of crops
1: um, I still grow mainly an- annuals, mostly because of the insecurity of the mm. land. Mm-hmm. I don't know year to right. year what's going to happen. Um, so I'm wary to invest in, in shrubs and woodies and perennials. Um, so I grow those in my yard, and I do have some perennials in some of the yards that I've had for several years. Um, but yeah, it's mostly annuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I noticed in your backyard here you had like um, nine bark
0: and mm-hmm. maybe some other foliages yeah. that... You can consistently count on that. That's right. Okay. Yeah. But your little patch in the backyard Mm -hmm. of your house is Mm -hmm. like what, 10 by 10 or something like that?
1: Oh, no, it's bigger than that. Okay. I think it's like. Obviously,
0: I can't guesstimate very well.
1: I think it's. I think the lot, our lot is 40 feet wide. Oh, wow. It's kind of a square. Oh, cool.
0: So you're able to have some permanent plantings here. Yeah. And so over the years, how has My Luscious Backyard evolved? I mean, you said you didn't love farmer's markets. You wanted to do subscriptions. Yeah. What's what's the journey you went on to try to develop this business?
1: Um, Well, I was very lucky in that... When was it? I'm going to say around... I started very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. Very slowly. I was never one to you know, dive in. Um, I dipped my toe in the water very carefully. Well, you're
0: one person too. You didn't have the Yeah. And I'm one forest. person and
1: no one had ever done this before. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like local flowers weren't even really on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, crazy. Yeah. I remember going to a florist early on and telling her that I grew flowers and she just kind of looked at me and kind of brushed me off, Oh. Mm-hmm. you know, because it was so unheard of.
0: Because she was this. used to just getting these massive—that's right—deliveries from the wholesaler, and
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Why did she need you, kind right. of thing? Right.
1: Yeah. Um, and could she trust me and my what I was growing? Um, uh, but 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 several years in, um, I started to get some press. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got a lot of attention. There was a few years when. Um, I was uh, on, I think, all three national news broadcasts. I was on, uh, on like, the three main newspaper, Canadian newspapers. See, I
0: think that's when I found out about you, yeah. when the Globe and Mail did a national story that's about right. you. And yeah. maybe somebody in Vancouver.
1: That's right. Ola. Yeah. Yes.
0: And it was... Um, the following maybe that was like 11 or something 2011 maybe or yeah that sounds about right the following year I was coming to Toronto to speak at Canada Blooms yeah and I was thought to myself I gotta find that woman and I just yeah cold called you and yeah. said Can we have coffee so yeah that was really awesome that you said yes and yeah you rode your bike to meet me I did <laughs> That was so cool. And I think it was March or something. So it wasn't like you had flowers to show me at the time. But mm-hmm. but um, I've just followed your career ever since. And,
1: and I yours. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you know you're a couple slides in my canned slow flowers lecture to garden clubs because Aww. people are so enchanted with your story. And that's maybe why the media... Um, became infatuated with you like it's it's one woman Mm -hmm. 10 plots Mm -hmm. uh bicycle and
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh flowers and it's so relatable
1: yeah and and I think it's also nice for people to see examples of someone who turned a passion Mm -hmm. into a livelihood Mm -hmm. in a really unique way like I just kind of did what worked for me which was very small very manageable worked for my yeah. nature I love working on my own I'm so happy when I'm just working by myself and um, yeah well
0: there's sort of this entrepreneurship there's creativity and there's also yeah. this sort of typical media interest in like urban blight and how can people reverse urban blight and yeah. re, you know regreen the city or any, any North American city and all of that yeah, seems to be embodied by my luscious backyard mm-hmm. so that media attention continues you said
1: yeah it it does yep yeah."
0: i was fascinated in, in your talk with a at afc, AFC where you gave you 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 said at some point because of the media, media attention you were re- hearing from people offering you their yards oh, versus yes. having yes. to put like Dear John, dear homeowner, letters in mailboxes. Yes,
1: I still do that. Really? But oh yeah. When I find a really great yard with full sun and it's flat, especially if they just torn up their lawn to replace the pipes or something, and it's like <laughs> a blank canvas. Oh yeah, I'm right in there with my letter. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, people people mostly reach out to me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, um, I think this will help the listeners if you could just talk about your
0: criteria because yes. it seems like you're you've honed that definition of what's an appropriate urban lot in over the years
1: yeah um so of course the most important thing is that it needs to be full sun um so generally they're south facing Mm -hmm. um it needs to be basically flat uh it needs to um you know have reasonably good soil and i i kind of know the streets that have the better soil in this neighborhood now wow yeah there's a sandy belt and i have a couple of gardens on the sandy belt and they just it's just a a constant battle with watering and compost Mm. and yeah
0: so you want soil that's a little bit more balanced um
1: yeah there's some really nice soil in the neighborhood wow can you say the name of your neighborhood Parkdale, Roncesvalles, you could call it either one. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: in city neighborhood, you yeah. made a comment that impressed me where you said that over the years, you've also become kind of particular about like this, this uh, sort of geographic boundaries. Like, yeah. you don't want to go too far away from where you live. Well,
1: as you learned today, traffic mm. in Toronto can be terrible. Yes. So, I do not want to spend nor could I Mm -hmm. make a living if I spend you know hours in the car every day driving around this city right people want me to they really want to give me wonderful beautiful enormous you know yards unlike on the other side of the city but yeah if it's going to take me half an hour each way then it's uh, that's not feasible so
0: you're trying to be hyper local like Uh, just zoning on your x number of square lots square blocks yeah um and it sounds like that that's working for you Yeah. Like, could you have more than 10 lots, or is 10 Uh, kind of manageable? I could, yeah.
1: I mean, if I had more help, if Mm -hmm. I hired people, I could definitely have more. The other thing that I think would be really great uh, on a longer term would be to rent or lease maybe a larger lot, kind of in the suburbs a little more, maybe Mm -hmm. like a 15-minute drive, um, where I could have an agreement with the yard owner that I would have it for five years, and I could plant shrubs and woodies and roses. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, so that's maybe on your wish list. Yeah, that yeah. would
1: be going forward.
0: Yeah. Um. When now, when you're like, your season is underway, but I want to back up a little bit and talk about like when do you start and mm-hmm. how long does my luscious backyard, you know, kind of deliver flowers to people in a in a calendar year? Do you? How yeah. early do you start?
1: I start. Um, I start delivering flowers in June. Okay. With the peonies and the garden roses. So that's usually the second week of June. So peonies and
0: garden roses are in some of your more semi-permanent be- yeah. locations, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. That's right. Quasi friends who you know are mostly pull in the plug. my yard. Oh, and okay. then I
1: have actually I have our next door neighbor's yard. Oh wow. And they have two very big old peony bushes that I get probably thirty blooms at least off each one wow yeah so that's in itself is worth it yeah
0: that's wonderful yeah um so that's june but you're are you starting seeds in yeah i start
1: seeds in usually by the end of the end of february early march um and i'm seeding all the way up you know through the spring and then yeah i don't do a lot of spring flowers tulips and things because of the need to harvest them several times a day and i really don't want to run around got it yeah yeah um but
0: so you're not doing tons of tulips and narcissus and no, that sort of thing no yeah.
1: i just do a few um and then it goes right until the frost which is usually the end of october hmm yeah mm-hmm. and your CSA is set up in what way? It's not technically a CSA. I don't ask for money up front. okay um, so it's more of a subscription model so um, people sign on for the amount they want to spend and whether they want it weekly or bi-weekly. I have some monthly clients. those are often given as gifts.
0: Mm. and you have um, this set up on your website right This sort of the bouquet program.
1: Uh, uh yeah, I oh. think I have I have a description of it. Yeah, I'm website. trying to, I feel
0: like I've seen it. maybe in your newsletter.
1: Yeah. That's probably yeah, where yeah. I saw it. Maybe okay. yeah,
0: yeah. You have a beautiful newsletter. Oh thank you. Yeah.
1: And I just made a new website on Squarespace for myself.
0: Wow. This winter. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Oh good. We'll share so that with people. Yeah. So um I got you off track. So people can um sign up with you yeah. for the bouquets. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they're pretty special like you're designing these bouquets i'm designing the bouquets okay. yeah that's your favorite part
1: it's not my
0: favorite part okay farming is still your the favorite. The growing
1: part. like if i have a grower or a designer i definitely consider myself primarily a grower <clears throat> i do enjoy the design part i also feel more uh, anxiety around the design part i have uh, up until last year never like taken a class or anything like that so i kind of have the like the insecurity of like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Like in other words, you don't have a, the certificate from the floral school or something like that. Right, right, right,
1: right. Or the okay from like Ariella Shazar to,
0: (laughs) you know, (laughs) I think she would love your work, but there's something I, uh, I personally think that there's something always more inherently personal about flowers designed by the person who grew them that Mm -hmm. doesn't require, you know, a particular, you know, training because you're so familiar you're so intimately involved with what you're growing
1: oh totally i i love my flowers yeah and you know that
0: you know the habit and the form and the bloom cycle and all that right
1: yeah and the differentiation in color between the same crop and the the way they work best with other flowers and yeah Mm. no i really do i i love them and i um I do enjoy that process. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so, given that semi-anxiety, how yeah. have you managed to balance the weddings? Because you're getting requests for weddings.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do weddings. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: and and is it generally um, in a perfect world one per week, or how do you? Yes,
1: I don't do more than one per week, um, and. Yeah, I, I also, I used to feel like I had to take on whatever wedding was offered to me mm-hmm. at the beginning. And mm-hmm. then I've, I've sort of learned, like, if the style that they want is not the style that comes naturally to me and that I feel I'm best at, I should not take this wedding. Mm. They will be disappointed and I will be frustrated.
0: Yeah, and, and you've kind of had a few, probably everybody's had that experience. Yeah, really. and
1: you know, you try and make it look like the photos and you know whatever but
0: oh like the pinterest boards right
1: so yeah
0: well in your situation where you don't have massive quantities of any given Mm -hmm. category you know Mm -hmm. type of flower um do you i I I would hope that the people who are coming to you for wedding flowers get you and they're not going to ask for that right or is there a lot of education required
1: uh there's some education i still have people asking for peonies in august Course.
0: sure
1: um but um I usually make sure that people have actually been to my website mm. they've actually seen what my work looks like mm-hmm. and how you know where the flowers come from so mm-hmm. they understand the you know the whole idea behind it
0: and that uh you're super seasonal and yeah use a lot of different ingredients I mean I think mm-hmm. your style is very textural and kind of I don't know that that seasonal strength is that you have a lot to choose from so mm-hmm. it's not just one type of flower and right you know you're putting all these little surprises in right um maybe a, do you feel like you can offer someone uh, assurances that the palette will be what they want or oh, definitely okay.
1: yeah 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 well we'll definitely have you know understanding around the palette and I'll send them lists and photos of things that are in bloom, and I'll also explain. I'm going to make sure they have what's most beautiful mm. that week, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the main criteria. Um, if they have a very rigid idea of what they want, I'm mm. probably not the best person right. for them. Right. Generally, the you know the best clients are the ones who come to you because they love your work, right? And they they've, trust you. They've and seen they your s-
0: Instagram feed or something like that, yeah, right?
1: That's right. And they say, you know, I really love you know blush and eggplant, and my favorite flowers are you know dahlias and whatever. Yeah. Um, but with, but but beyond that, please you know mm-hmm. just make it beautiful.
0: And in terms of scale, are you pretty much doing um, personal flowers and book and centerpieces, or yeah. okay? What what would the next yeah. category? Like, I don't do like
1: big, large installs mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. I just took Becky's um, at Blush at Bloom School her arbor workshop. Uh, Becca, it was great. Yeah, I had had, a, I had had an arbor that I had to do a few weeks before that, and uh, as I was doing it, I had. I was so worried and stressed out about it. And all I could think of was Becky's doing a course, Becky's doing a course. I better, better sign up for course. it. Yeah. So I did. And it was fantastic. So yeah. now you've got that nailed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you bring help in for these weddings? Or? Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, it's gotta be yeah. like you're farming all week Yeah, and then you're picking and then you still have to design on what late Friday night or early, yeah.
1: Yeah. whatever. Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and then that continues, like, you'll have fall, fall weddings as well then.
1: My favorite are fall weddings.
0: Yeah, so. I bet. Yeah. I bet. I, just the palette. and it's, the, Yeah.
1: It's so beautiful.
0: Um, and by the time October rolls around and you have Canadian Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. you're kind of waiting for the frost, mm-hmm. um, do you tend to do foraging or, mm-hmm. like, what do you do kind of yeah. after the frost?
1: Uh, yeah, I do... Wreaths, okay, in December, and they're all foraged wreaths okay uh, things that I've saved from my gardens, but mostly things that I forage from.
0: and dry or or just. Like,
1: um. Well, you know, like evergreen. Oh, okay. Yeah, dried. Like, I thought I saw pods. some dried stuff
0: downstairs. I was curious. Yeah, about. I okay. do collect. Like right okay. now,
1: I'm collecting sunflowers to use in the fall for dried sunflowers. Oh, neat. I love that. Yeah. I love the fall because you can put dead things in your arrangements.
0: And no one's objecting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Trick.
1: Yeah. That's great. That's
0: a really good point because <laughs> they're so. It's so it's sort of like well, that's what the season is. Yeah. yeah things are drying. Yeah. Do you? I, I thought you were doing some workshops too. Yeah. Okay. And where do you teach those?
1: Um, I have friends who own a cafe with a like an event room. Sometimes I use that. Sometimes I do it from my backyard. Cool. Here. Yeah. I did. A, I do dahlia workshops in the spring, and I do them here. Wow. Um, sometimes I do like workshops where people can come to the gardens and pick their own flowers, and we talk about growing flowers and then designing together. Neat. Yeah. Different things. So
0: you, I mean, it's just like so many solopreneurs. You have to be really diverse. Mm-hmm. and find all these multiple channels for mm-hmm. revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, going forward, do you have anything new you're cooking up? Or is this sort of a year of, hey, I got it nailed. I'm just going to keep it going and and reap the benefits.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think...
0: Not to put you on the spot or yeah. anything.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I mean... We are we we are not from Toronto. Okay. Um, we love it here, but we don't feel like it's home. Okay. So we are always just looking over the horizon mm. to see where we're gonna go. Mm. On and vacation,
0: you mean? No, or like, maybe relocate.
1: Relocate. Okay. Yeah. And our kids are five and nine now, so they're getting into really good ages for travel, and so. Yeah, you know we're 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 looking to see where the wind is going to blow us next.
0: What I feel like this business that you've created is a model that you could put in your back pocket and take with you somewhere else because mm-hmm. you've figured out how to work with ever changing landscape of properties yeah. and. That's right. And so.
1: And I could also pass this one on to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I'm. I still am kind of curious why this model hasn't, I mean, not that I want people to copy the My Luscious Backyard model, but I hear a lot about people who are trying to farm on one lot in an urban yeah. space, um, but they're either doing it through a nonprofit, mm. or a school or a parish or, you know, some mm-hmm. kind of institution mm-hmm. um, with a lot of volunteers, so I I, mm-hmm. I just don't think that your model is is all that common, and I don't think it's mm-hmm. because it's impossible. I just think that you have a lot of ingenuity and creativity, and you just were determined to make it work. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Have people contacted you from other urban areas? Yeah,
1: people contact me quite, you know, regularly, um, and I think there are some people doing it in some. Maybe smaller scales. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there's a couple of people out in Vancouver now. Kind of like
0: the the bartering for use of land sort of.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Different kind of currency there. That's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Um, That's true. Like I hear yeah. about people farming on under power lines or, you know, on yeah. city lots or that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. then you have the issue of access to water.
1: Well, we don't have that issue, but... You don't. I, no, we have we we don't have any watering um, regulations. We we live by you know Lake Ontario. There's no problem with water in Toronto. I, I think I was saying in my talk that if you did live in a place where there were, you know, watering restrictions, you couldn't do this.
0: That's right. Can I ask you about that? Like your homeowners yeah. have an yeah. agreement with you, yes. and you address some of these issues, right? Can yes. You, can you just summarize that kind of similar? Sure.
1: Um, so. Um, the only thing that they really need to pay for throughout the season is if they have uh, there 's extra charge for water okay, so i don 't pay their water bill
0: you 're getting their hose and going out and watering stuff, yeah, okay,
1: which um, seems fair.
0: they get to enjoy the flowers
1: yeah um, when i 'm taking up the lawn, if they have a lawn that they want taken up to to replace with flowers, I do ask for help in lawn removal mm-hmm. and disposal of the sod because the city won't pick it up so um either for me me to hire someone to help um, remove that sod or sometimes they offer to do it themselves um because it is
0: it's man it's, it's brutal it's
1: yes yeah, it's heavy work bruce heavy and i work. spent all spring flipping re-
0: digging up and removing sod and yeah somewhere along the line someone said you know you can rent a sod cutter yeah <laughs> it's like yeah but we thought we could just it's new sod we thought it would be easy yeah but it wasn't no those roots go down fast
1: yeah so after, do you rent a sod cutter um or your people you hire sometimes it's hard to get those big like those walk big, behind things yeah, yeah even into the garden like okay. if it's like in a backyard or what you know what i mean so anyway. it's manual. So it's pretty manual. Okay. I had a rototiller, a terrible rototiller that I've used um, to just help get the first, um, you know, yeah. get it up. But um, hmm. but that's good that you're But usually of, it's just manual. Yeah.
0: And you're asking the homeowner to participate in that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were saying compost is another maybe big yeah, investment. Yeah,
1: sometimes, like, if if I feel like they are... If they if they get in touch with me and want me to do it, I will suggest maybe they want to pitch in $100 to compost, because when I leave their garden, they're going to have this wonderful soil, and it's going to be fantastic, and they can carry on with their gardening. Um, if I approach them, I don't ask them for money.
0: I see. Yeah. So it's kind of like your fairness rule, almost, like, yeah. you know... You have a little bit more leeway if you're approached by the homeowner. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I, um, I'm i excited that I get to get up with you in the morning and go see a few of your parcels and take a few photos to share mm-hmm. uh, on our show notes mm-hmm. um, at deboraprinzing.com. And I also know that Sarah will share some of her design work. I'd love to show some sure. of your seasonal bouquets, uh, either for your subscription customers or for weddings. Um, because it, you know, the diversity of what you're growing is what blows my mind. I mean, I, d- I didn't even ask you how many unique varieties you're growing, but yeah, if I think it's
1: like 50. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you've probably spend winters planning oh, yeah. for what you're going to add next oh, year. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. But dahlias are a big deal and that yeah. they're mainly growing, uh, not here, but in other lots. Right.
1: Yeah. I do have a patch back there they're just uh, they're just starting to bloom now in
0: your backyard yeah that's cool
1: yeah
0: Um, what else anything else you want me you want to add or share that I didn't ask you Mm. I just am thrilled that you're inspiring people with this kind of micro business model
1: it is micro Mm -hmm. it's very micro Mm -hmm. yeah it's nice I think to have to see lots of different ways of doing Mm -hmm. something to see to find what suits you
0: yeah yeah good yeah Thank you so much. Thanks, Deborah. I loved this and I loved telling. Uh, I know a lot of people know who you are, but I'm sure there's some listeners that this will be a new story for them, and I'm glad that they can meet you. for joining me today. There is so much inspiration from Slow Flowers members like Sarah Nixon all across the U.S. and now across Canada, too. I'm really encouraged by the ongoing progress of our movement, as well as by the highly personal stories each of you tells through the flowers you grow and design with. If you have a suggestion for a future podcast topic or guest, get in touch. I'd love to hear from you via the contact page at deborahprinzing.com. The Slow Flowers Podcast has been downloaded more than 233,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you to each one of you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you value the content you receive each week, I invite you to show your thanks and support the Slow Flowers Podcast with a donation. The button can be found on our homepage in the right column. Your contributions will help make it possible to transcribe future episodes of the podcast. And thank you to our family of sponsors, Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high quality American grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at ArcticAlaskaPeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage and plants. The Growers' Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at lfgardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds available, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG, was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenland. Learn more about his work at KineticTreeFitness.com.